Now this morning I'm going to uh, uh, ask you, if you have your Bible, please follow in the Bible. I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to be basically preaching exactly the words of the scripture. And uh, I know that uh, I could tell by what happened all this past week that the, the devil did not want me to be up here preaching this message this morning. Two funerals, all the fire alarms going off in the house, the fire company coming in, uh, the air conditioner going out, being repaired, and then going out again, and uh, first one thing and another, and me with my responsibility in, for prayer meeting on Wednesday night, teaching Sunday morning today, and preaching tonight. So, you know, all of that. Uh, but the devil can't get you down when the Lord has you where he wants you to be. So, I'm going to ask you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, I hope you have an app on your, on your uh, phone, and I want you to follow along carefully. I'm going to give you an Old Testament passage which corresponds to the New Testament passage that I'm going to use to preach on this morning. So turn with me in your Bible, first of all, and I'm going to read this passage to set the stage for what I want you to see when we get to the passage in the New Testament. Psalm 2. Psalm 2. So please get your Bible open to Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar? <laughs> are the nations in an uproar these days? <laughs> and the peoples devising a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let's tear their fetters apart and cast their cords away from us. Amen. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Join me in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you that you are a gracious, loving God. You loved us to the point to where, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You sent him to be the one who would pay the price that we could never pay so that we might have the life eternal that we could never gain. And so, Lord, we are here in your presence this morning to announce the word that you have for us. And we pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our heart and the ears of our heart, that we may hear what the Spirit of God would say to us today. We are living in troubled times, Lord. We are living in days unlike any days that I, in my, for myself, that I have ever seen in my lifetime. And I know these are, these are days which have a message for us. And so I pray that you would enable us to hear and to obey that which you revealed to us today, we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. And as I turn to the passage in the New Testament, 
I want to say to you that if you've never learned how to witness for Christ, you really need to learn how to do that because there are hungry people out there that are seeking to find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I, I just, I'm amazed at how the Lord has opened doors to me that I've not seen open before. And it's amazing when he puts it together and you pray in the morning and you say, Lord, I'm going out into the day. Put me in someone's pathway who's looking for you. And it's amazing how the Lord does that. Now, I want you to look with me at Revelation chapter 19. This is the New Testament counterpart of what I just read in Psalm 2. Now, a little bit of the background to this particular passage that I'm going to read uh, is the fact that uh, uh, all of the things that need to take place before the events that I'm going to read about will have taken place. In the book of Revelation, the seals are taken care of, the trumpets have sounded, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven uh, bowls of wrath have been mentioned, and the passage that we're looking at now beginning in chapter uh, 18 and 19, and the passage I'm going to use in 19 concerns the seventh bowl. This is, when this happens, everything is over with. That's the end. This is the period at the end of the history of the world. Listen, I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to go through it, and I want to go through it step by step. And I saw, verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, notice, armies, plural, the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on the throne, uh, on, on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he might rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. First of all, folks, there's a day coming when Jesus is going to come on a white horse. This is something that God revealed to John in the 19th chapter here. He saw, he had a vision, he saw heaven opened, and it's not dissimilar to the same vision that he had in chapter 1, where he saw the Lord, and he was just trembling, and he was really, as we will be when this all happens, we will be trembling before him, whether we know him or don't know him. There is such a thing as a fearful trembling in the presence of the Almighty. And if you know the meaning of the various words in the scriptures, in the original language, reverencing the Lord, reverence for the Lord, yes, it it's, speaks of reverential trust, but it also talks about a trembling. I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of somebody who you knew was very much more important than you. You probably had the shakes. <laughs> and I'm sure we're all going to have the shakes. But... John saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Yes, there are horses in heaven. Don't ask me to explain it. 
I just see it in the Word. If the Scriptures say it, I believe it. I may not be able to explain it, and if I were able to explain everything that's in the Scriptures, I wouldn't be here this morning. (laughs) And you wouldn't be here either. But Jesus comes sitting on a white horse, and a white horse in Scripture is an emblem of a mighty, conquering, wartime animal that has no fear and charges forth in the midst of a battle. Now, it's interesting to notice that the Lord Jesus Christ, in his, uh, one of the closing moments of his life, he was on an animal, and it was nothing more than a, a measly old donkey, okay? Well, he came as a lowly servant of God, and he took his place to show people that in his humility, humility was the way to rise up to meet God. And he is riding this white horse, and you can be sure that this one who is riding on the white horse, as we're going to see later, is described as the Word of God. This is Jesus Christ, none other than Jesus Christ. And he is called Faithful and True. Now, I want to tell you something. Men are not faithful. Men are not true. Uh, You have run into them, but the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father are going to keep every single promise that they ever made in the Scripture because they are faithful and true. And do you know how many promises are in the Word of God? I've never counted them, but I've read somebody who did count them, and he said that there are 8,800 promises of God in the Scripture. He is going to fulfill every promise that he has ever made. Those promises concern us in many places. He will not fail. He is faithful, and he is true. But when we reject the love of God and we reject the promises of God, we are not going to have that love and that sense of fulfillment in our lives of those promises. And so, you know, men are not faithful. They're not true. You've run into them. Sometimes you're not faithful. You're not true. And the scriptures a little bit later here talk about hell being placed with people, uh, filled with people who, among other vices, are liars, and they are unfaithful. And you read the passage in 21, verse 8, and you can understand what it means, what will happen when the one who is capital F faithful and capital T true reveals himself. And then it says in that same, uh, uh, in this same passage, he judges and wages war. It's interesting to notice that uh, the Lord Jesus, when he came, he said, I did not come to judge. And what he meant was that at that particular time, he was not here for judgment. He was here for salvation and for grace. But there is a time coming when he will come to judge. And he will judge. And he will have the ability to wage war. Now, it's hard for us to imagine when we think of Jesus, the very peaceful Jesus who uh, just when he was here on earth, he received uh, uh, with gentleness everyone that came to him. Oh, he was strict and, and, and difficult with the Pharisees, those that were hypocrites. But he is going to come at a time when he will judge and he will wage war. And in verse 12, his eyes are a flame of fire. His eyes, well, let me say this about uh, judging and waging war. Uh, We are told here that he will judge in righteousness. He was not judged that way himself. 
he was in a dog and pony show when he stood before the Pharisees and the elders, the, the Sanhedrin, and all of the charges that were brought against him, even Pilate had to say, I find no fault in this man. But he was under political pressure. There's a lot of political pressure these days that cause people to do things and say things that normally they would not otherwise do. And we are seeing people lying and putting out things today that we never would have believed. But he comes to make war. He wages war. And the first time as a prince of peace, yes, he said, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. That does not sound like somebody that's here to send judgment and wage war. But that was back in the gospel times. That's in the times in which we are living. But the day is coming, folks. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this time is coming and it's going to affect you. You're going to see that he is a warrior. The scriptures in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, when the people of Israel had crossed the river after it had been opened, and they got to the other side, they said, the Lord is a man of war. Jehovah, Yahweh is a man of war. He saw what they could do. And do you know what that means? If you do not know God, if we who know God can say, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we need to stand in that truth. We need to understand that we are in difficult days and I look around me and I'm, I'm in despair. I, I'm ready to throw a rock through the television when I see what's going on. But I say to myself, if God is for me, I know that he's for me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? And if he is for you, who can be against you? But woe be to you if you are not in a place where God is for you. We are more than conquerors. Romans 8.37 is what the scriptures tell us. Now, it says in verse 12 that his eyes are a flame of fire. That's the first thing I want us to see. Those eyes which shone with tenderness when he's here on earth, those eyes which wept when he was at the grave of Lazarus, those eyes that laughed and, and uh, those arms which encouraged and received children when the disciples said, tried to push them away, he said, allow the children to come unto me. He was a compassionate, loving person. Yet when he comes in glory, his eyes are going to flash like fire. You've seen stuff that on the screens, they put these things on, uh, all these movies they make, and the, the eyes go crazy and all that. Well, you're going to see eyes of Jesus that you've never seen if he's around, if you're around when he comes back, because that's what this is all about, because the king is coming. The king is coming. Amen. We're studying about the kingdom with pastor. And I, I'm not wanting to jump to the end of his series, but I tell you what, the bottom line is the king is coming. If we have a kingdom, the king is going to reign and he's going to put himself in that position where he's reigning. Now on, on earth, he was, he was the man of sorrows, but when he comes, he will come with flashing eyes. And notice what it says here too. Upon his head are many diadems. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. You know, you sing that song and uh, we, sing, uh, we sing all hail the power of Jesus' name and that song is really incorrect because it's uh, uh, bring forth the royal diadem. It should be bring forth the royal diadems, plural. 
because on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written which no one knows except himself. Now that might be a puzzle, but I think that there is, within the person and personality of Jesus, there are things that we could never fathom in, in our human state. The time will come when we will see the full exposure of all that Jesus is and all that he can do. And that name, which is a name that no man knows, but himself is a name that will be so majestic and so full of unspeakable glory that it is a name which nobody on earth can fathom. Jesus' name above all names. That is a name that is going to cause people to bend the knee one day who never would have done so otherwise. Look at verse 13. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His garments were stained with blood when they nailed him on the cross. And I don't know, but I kind of think maybe he will be wearing those garments again to remind you, this is the last chance. I did that for you. Here are my garments stained by blood. And they were, uh, he is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And on the cross, his raiment was stained with his own blood. And when he comes back to slay offenders, he will, slay their, he will shed their blood. The coming of the Lord is going to be a bloody time. You might not think of it that way, but when he comes back, when he comes, ultimately, in his final return, it is going to be a time of war. We're not going to go into the Battle of Armageddon, but that's involved here. When all the nations are going to be gathered together and all the demons of hell will be behind them, there will be a war like the world has never seen before. But he will be called the Word of God. John 1, verse 1, verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And verse 18, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you don't know Jesus as God's final word to the world, you're not ready to meet him when he comes. So I want to encourage you to, to consider the truth of John 1.18. He is all that God has to say to us that we need to know for our eternal good. He has a name which no one else knows. He is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and he is called the Word of God. Now, I'm going to, I, I think I'll say a little bit of, of something right now about verse 14, but I want to come back to it uh, as I close a little bit later this morning. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. The armies, plural, which are in heaven. God has more than one army in heaven. I'm going to tell you that right now. We can't imagine what it's like. I'll go into more detail about that later. But he will be accompanied by his armies, dressed in fine linen, dressed in, and they're all riding on white horses. These are the redeemed of the Lord, and the redeemed of the Lord will return with him because they will have been already taken up, and when he comes, they will come with him. All right, now, notice verse 15. I'll come back to verse 14 later. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations. You know, this gentle Jesus that we, uh, we see walking the streets of Galilee and Judea, uh, one day will be coming like a mighty warrior. 
It's hard for us to get that transition in our mind, but he will smite the nations with the sword of his mouth. When he speaks the truth of God in the midst of the nations, everybody's going to tremble. Wouldn't you like to have somebody speak the truth of God in the Congress of the United States right now? Amen. Wouldn't you like somebody speak the truth of God in the United Nations right now? Amen. Wouldn't you like somebody to be speaking the truth that needs to be the truth that will set men free? It's not there now, but when he comes, he will smite the nations with the sword out of his mouth. And the word of God says in Isaiah 11, verse 4, the righteous, with righteousness he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. This is King Jesus. This is not the lowly carpenter of Galilee. And he comes in verse 15, according to what the scriptures say here, he comes to rule them with a rod of iron. When Jesus rules in that day, it will be a severe rule on those who do not know him, those who are not committed to him. This is not the message that you came to hear this morning, but this is the message that we forget sometimes. The future is not bright for somebody who does not know the Lord. If you're here this morning, you're safe. All that the Father gives to Jesus, he will, he will receive, and no one will snatch, snatch them out of his hand. But if you're not in his hand, you're in trouble. And he comes to rule the nations with a rod of iron. You know, we have a lot of people that say, oh, God is love, and he won't punish everybody. My friends, read the scriptures again. These words right here, which come as part of the seventh bowl that will be poured out on the face of the earth. These words are severe words. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. You know, we used to sing that song. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. I sang that. We'd come home from soccer games after we won soccer games, and we'd sing that song. I had no idea in the world what it meant, but I sure know what it means right now. We felt like we had conquered, we had won our game, and so forth, and so we were happy. We sang songs that we knew in that day, including 99 bottles of beer on the wall. And you all, some of you that are older, you know what that's all about. Not that we drank the beer, but <laughs> I'm telling you, this day is a day of the wrath of God, and he will rule with a rod of iron. And I want you to understand that when he rules, he will be ruling in righteousness and justice. And he comes to tread the winepress of the wrath and the fierceness of the Almighty. Here's, here's Isaiah 63.3. Here's prophecy in the Old Testament. I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people there was none with me. I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment. When the day comes and all of the nations are gathered under the leadership of Antichrist to fight the Lord Jesus Christ and his armies, we have a word from Revelation chapter 14, verse 20. The winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. That's a lot of blood. 
Second Thessalonians chapter one. Uh, I want I want to read that. We sometimes overlook this. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Look at listen to what it says here. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. If you are here this morning and you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear. Amen. If, thank you for one amen. Do I hear, do I hear another? Amen. <laughs> do I hear another? Amen. All right. He will tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God one day. And I want to go back to verse 14. So look with me at verse 14. The armies which are in heaven. What are the armies that are in heaven? Well, Scripture talks about, if you remember, when, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, and uh, they came to take him captive, and Peter pulled out his sword, and he said, put your sword away. Don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels if I wanted to? You know how many, how many people are in a legion in Roman history? 6,000 people make one legion. So 12 legions of angels, we're talking about Jesus is saying, I could have called 72,000 angels to come if I wanted. And that's just one army. That's not even an army. That's part of an army. And then, the, verse 14 is a plural. Revelation chapter 5. <laughs> i got to read that one for you too. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. <laughs> I love this when I read this because I can just picture this in my mind because something is going to happen when, when Revelation 5, verse 5, comes along, here's what it says. Uh, Revelation 5, verse 11. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now, the best we can calculate that is uh, myriad in... Greek means 10,000. So 10,000 times 10,000, but it's 10,000s times 10,000s. So a minimum we would have here is part of this army is 100 million angels. Amen. So who do you think is going to win this war? If God be for us, who can be against us? And if you are here this morning and you don't know if God is for you, you better make sure. Because now we are one day closer than we have ever been before. I'm not here to set dates. I'm not here to tell you when it's going to happen. But when you see the bud on the vine, and when you see the fig tree blossom, and when you see at least 88 to 90% of the uh, prophecies that Jesus told the disciples that had to be fulfilled before he could come, in Matthew 28, uh, uh, Mark 13, and Luke 21, all of those prophecies are by and large fulfilled or in the process of being fulfilled right now. That's 88% of those prophecies. And there's only really two prophecies left to be fulfilled. We are not far from the return of the Lord. I'm not going to say that you're going to be here for it or that I'm going to be here for it, but I'm telling you that it's sooner than you might think. 
I was thinking as I was coming to church this morning, and, you know, we've seen things like this in the past, but I, I just want to tell you that when you see a convergence at one time period in history, when there is so much political confusion, and when you see so much catastrophe and tragedy in, in weather, and when you see wars going on that you've never seen before, and all of it happens at the same time, you better pay attention to what's going on. These are signs of the times. And John makes no mistake to tell us in his first epistle that we are in the end times. If he was in the end times when he was writing, we are closer to the end of the end times than he ever was. So I just want to tell you that the day is coming when we will recognize that God has given Jesus a name that is above every name. Philippians chapter 2. You read it for yourself. So that at the name of Jesus, the word of God, every knee will bow. Every Muslim knee, every Shinto knee, every Buddhist knee, every pagan knee, every atheistic knee, every Christian knee, every knee of every person living on the face of the earth will bow to Jesus. And every tongue, every Muslim tongue, every agnostic tongue, every liberal tongue, every foul tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm here to tell you this morning, folks, the King is coming. And I think he's coming sooner than you realize and sooner than I realize. We are so taken up in our part of the world that we are I remember one thing that I was told uh, uh, that the problem with us Americans is we are too happy. And I remember one thing that a young African fellow, a young person in high school told me. He said, we love America. This is 30, 40 years ago. He said, we love America. We love you guys. We love what you're doing. But you know what you're doing? You're killing yourselves with your own freedoms. We are. We are. We are so free that we are stupid. All you have to do is to go to some other parts of the world where people have to do things that we would never imagine. And I've been there, and I've seen that, and I'm here to tell you that we are closer than we have ever been to the return of the Lord. So, in closing, if you are not ready for this event, there will not be any other hope for you. Because when the king comes, and he comes riding on that white horse with all of the armies of heaven, it'll be too late. And I want you to know that I would rather follow him right now on earth, waiting for his arrival, and coming along with those that are suffering elsewhere in the world, with people saved forever and safe forever, and as the earth faces the wrath of God, I want to be ready to meet him, and I hope you want to be ready too. And if you are here this morning and you have already met him, give me a good amen. amen. And if you're not here, I hope you'll just understand that we're here to pray with you, to help you. We want you to be ready. We want you to come. Today, if you have heard his voice, don't harden your heart. Do not, do not turn your back on him. You don't know how much time you have. Nobody knows when they're going to go. And I'm not going to take time to tell you about a close friend of mine who thought he had all the days in the world, and he went out and got killed in an automobile accident that night. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Today is a day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, give your heart to him.
and we're here to help you after we close if you want to talk with me we have some elders up front would you please come and talk with me and if god has moved upon your heart i don't have to beg you don't come unless the god, unless the lord has spoken to your heart but if you're here this morning and you're a believer i want you to go out of this place rejoicing knowing that you have a wonderful hope that lies before you Jesus is coming again. And he's coming in power and great glory. And we will be caught up with him. We will have been caught up with him. And we will come with him. We will be part of the army, believe it or not. And he will conquer. And he will rule. And then we'll start what we call after, after the apocalypse. After that is over with, we will start the millennium. We won't go there this morning, but that's that thousand years when there will be peace. Yes. Oh, how we would love to have peace. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Right. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the many, many promises of your word. We thank you that our names are inscribed upon those promises because what you promise, you are always faithful to fulfill. We've seen you do it in our lives in the past, and we know that all that you have done for us who know you, all the ways we have seen you answer prayer, the miracles we've seen you perform are all indicators of the truth that in the final analysis, everything will come together and everything that you have said will be true. And as the scriptures say, let God be true and let every man be a liar. We will not believe the lies of the world. We accept your word. And we cry out with all of our hearts, even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come Lord, even so, come quickly. We pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And all God's people said,